What a beautiful invitation. Come and worship the holy God. Y'all can take a seat. One thing that I just wanted to remind you all of is that in the back um, of this chapel, right by these doors, um, there is a prayer room that we have um, in place for you all to use any time that you want a space apart to pray. It's open any hour that the building is open. Um, there's some coloring sheets in there and some Bibles and some other things that can help you think about um, life prayerfully. So we invite you to use that. Would you bow your heads now and pray with me? Mighty God, eternal creator of all things, who watches us through the darkness of night, who heralds the morning to flood the earth with light, who allows even death to be so breathtakingly beautiful in the autumn leaves, and who even now is preparing the earth for new life in the spring. Lord, you bring light into our darkness. You bring life out of death. You redeem even the most broken parts of our world and of us. And so we come into this chapel, this space this morning, and we set our minds on things above like this. God, we want to allow ourselves to be taken over by the grandeur of God, by the extraordinariness of God. We know, Lord, that you are in this place as we gather together as a community in your name. God, we know you're here with us. So we recognize that we right now are standing on holy ground in your presence. We know that you're with us always, even if we go down to the depths or settle on the far side of the sea, even unto the end of the age, we know you're with us. But Lord, right now, we want to pray for eyes that see your presence in the places where we feel we so desperately need you. God, would you help our unbelief in friendships that are hard, in families that are complicated, in trauma that's being processed, in poverty that makes life so impossible sometimes, in divisions that make progress so unattainable sometimes, in devastation that makes the future so unreachable. Jesus, do the unexpected here. Would you lead us into redemption? Would you lead us into reconciliation? Would you lead us into rightness? God, be with us now here as we search your scripture for the good news. Let's not be a people that simply see and hear, but God, would you fill each of us and transform us to be people that look more like Christ. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lauren. And good morning, all. So good to be with you. Forrest Buckner, if I haven't met you, let's do that. I, one quick thing to know, I don't know if some, I know some of y'all were there last night, the first unveiled worship service, yeah, yeah, Talia Jackson, our team, did such a wonderful job inviting us to worship God, and, and if you were there, uh, you would have seen my, my dancing, because you just got, you just got to dance, you know, you might see it up here too, don't worry, if you missed it, you didn't miss much, all right, 
It's uh, nothing right home about my children will tell you that will attest to that. But he's got to do something. When, when worshiping God in, in exciting ways, it was a gift. Excited for that. When I, was, uh, when I was a young Christian, I remember hearing someone t- say to me, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. This is part of the understanding of the gospel. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And as I understood that, I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. I mean, that a wonderful plan for my life that probably entails, you know, th- being happy and, and having, you know, at least plenty, maybe not super wealthy, but having enough and being healthy. And, and that sounds like a good thing. God loves me. How, how, how wonderful, how special. That same type of message in that way, as I understood it as a, as a young Christian, has continued to have been, been spread around the world in some ways maybe corrupting, I would say, or at least confusing sometimes what does it mean to be a Christian, especially in, our, in Latin America and other places, this health and wealth gospel that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life is understood, and this God wants you healthy and wealthy, and if you have enough trust and faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, this semester, we're talking about redefining righteousness, seeing the ways that Jesus redefines what it means to be right with God and right with each other in the Gospel of Matthew. We've redefined the Gospel from small to cosmic and both. We've redefined the way community is God's people living together, redefined the way the law leads us into the way we walk with Jesus, redefined how we build our lives in the rock of Jesus' teaching. We've redefined who it is we get to care about and those, and not, not making dividing lines between people in and out. And today, I wonder if we could talk today about what does Jesus teach us in the Gospel of Matthew about being a follower of Jesus? A follower of Jesus. The simplest way that the Bible talks about being a Christian, but long before it talks about being a Christian, it talks about being ones who follow Jesus, a disciple. Literally, ones who learn from him. Ones who learn from Jesus, walk behind him like any, they would walk behind any rabbi, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How does Jesus define discipleship? And how does that work with that, my first understanding? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus has just made, had this, this big encounter with his disciples. He'd gone up to northern part of Israel, Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them this question. The most important question there is, who do, who do people say there is, I am? And they say, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, the prophet Jeremiah. And then Jesus asked them the most important question. This is the same question that we'll have to answer. The most important question that all of us answer in our whole lives. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Jesus asks. Peter, in his boldness, speaks up and says, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus celebrates Peter's proclamation. Yes, Peter, on this rock, what you just said, I'm going to build my church, my set-apart people of God. You're right, Peter. You got it. And that's where we pick our, our text today in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16, where Matthew and Jesus is now, you understand, Jesus, you understand, Peter, that that. I am the Messiah, the one who's come to make the world right. But I'm going to have to do some redefining. You understand what kind of Messiah I am. We'll see in verse 21, I think you have the screen here. From that time on, 
Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great sufferings at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, the things of God, but on human things. We'll stop there. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, You got it. I am the Messiah. I'm the one who has come to make the world right. And here's what that's going to look like. I'm going to go and suffer at the hands of the authorities, the Jewish and the Roman authorities. I'm going to die, actually, at their hands. And then I'm going to rise on the third day. And Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. Actually, no. And actually, I'm personally very happy that Peter was there and not me because I have this tendency to correct people and think I'm always right. It's this terrible sin of mine. I'm, I'm, and I've, I've passed it on to my children. Uh, it's a generational thing. I'm trying to now, we're all trying to get free from it in my family. Janelle's free from it. She's good. But the rest of us. So I, I would have done the same thing Peter did. No, 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 Jesus. No, no, you don't, you don't get it. You don't really mean you're going to do that. The Messiah is going to come and make everything right and become king and, and set, kick out the Romans and give us our autonomy that we, are, we, we want and we've been longing for. We're all going to worship God with Israel and the Jewish people being the center again like it's supposed to be. Don't you know Jesus? Jesus, this amazing way, he says, really strong words, right? Really strong words. I wonder if he hears the echo of, of, of the serpent, serpent in the garden. Hey, God didn't really mean you couldn't eat that. God didn't really mean, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat it, you'll actually be like him. Peter, maybe Jesus is hearing the echo and he looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's things, the things of God, but the things of humans. Jesus knows what he's meant to do. He knows what his mission is from the Father who he walks with and obeys. He knows what he's meant to do. And Peter comes and says, that's not it. But Jesus says, this is the kind of Messiah who I am. I'm the Messiah modeled after Isaiah 53. Remember Isaiah 53, written 60, 600 years earlier. We hear this picture of Isaiah 53, that, that this suffering servant, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we counted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. and By his bruises we are healed. This is the kind of Messiah that Jesus was, a suffering Messiah. One who's borne our infirmities. One who is despised and rejected. Sometimes we think Jesus was this superman, uh, super, super model, uh, super athlete. Every, if everyone saw Jesus, they would say, whoa, you are the, the reincarnation of my favorite actor or athlete. You're Michael Jordan or Tom Brady or whoever it is, Matthew McConaughey or I don't know. <laughs> but he was actually despised. He was looked down upon. He was not. He was stricken. 
and he was crushed for our iniquities. So Jesus first redefines Messiahship. So actually, the Messiah is one who suffers for you in obedience to God. Have you ever gotten in a river uh, on a, you know, with a flowing river? Have you ever, ever gone in a river and felt the currents? Anyone can nod? Yeah, someone, anyone? So River and I were floating down the river this summer on a, on a canoe, my river. We're floating down a river. I think we had a picture of the, of the, of the, spoke, of the bowling pitcher. This is not where we were, but it's pretty, huh? And <laughs> that's nearby. We were on a smaller section of river with my son, River, and we were on a canoe. We parked the canoe. We get out, and we were playing in the water, and it was August, so the water was really low, and still, on the Little Spokane in August, you get in the middle of that, and it's pushing you, right? I mean, it's strong. The current is strong, and you think about that, you know, magnified. We get to a big, a big river. We actually, Steffi and Rosetta and I, we were in New York. We get to go to Niagara Falls and see real, I mean, huge amounts of water, 75,000 gallons a second, right? Just cruising over this thing. That kind of water, the current's so strong. Here's what I think Jesus is doing. He's saying the Messiah is one who steps into the current, the current of the, the flow of the world, the way of sinful humanity, the sinful world is this, me. It's about me. It's about myself. It's about what I want. It's about my success, my power, my prestige, my, my appetites, my pleasure. It's about, not about God. It's about me. It's not about others. I don't care about others. I'll use them, abuse them for whatever I want. It's about me as long as I'm getting mine. My people maybe are getting mine. That's the way of the river. And Jesus steps in as the Messiah and says, no. That's not the way of God. That's not the way humans were meant to live in right relationship with God and right communion with others, fighting for what's right in the world. And he stands in the river and says, but by standing there, you stand in a waterfall like that, you stand in Niagara Falls, it's going to crush you. And so it did. Our suffering Messiah stood in the raging river and was crushed by it. And yet we know, and Jesus says it even, on the third day he's going to rise again, right? Jesus, the suffering Messiah, defeats death, sin, and evil and makes a new way. And then he goes on to explain, now here's what it means to be of ones who follow this suffering Messiah. What does it mean to be a disciple? Let's read this together. Would you read it together, please? I always like doing this. Ready, set, go. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. But what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give them in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay everyone for what He has done. Thank you. This is actually the most quoted phrase in various forms that Jesus mouthed anything in the gospel. Seven times Jesus says this in various ways. If you want to save your life from me, you lose it. Take, take up your cross and follow me. Let's not romanticize this whole cross thing, right? Take up your cross and follow me. That's not, oh, you know, I didn't get dessert today. That's my cross to bear. That's not what he's talking about. It's not, I have a really annoying sister, and that's my cross to bear. 
Or even worse, you know, my, my uh, sociology professor gave me a lot of homework tonight. I guess that's my cross to bear. A cross was an instrument of public humiliation and death. Take up your cross and follow me means you're going to stand, you're, you're going to be publicly shown to be humiliated and actually die. And that may take, may take various forms, but Jesus is saying, to be my follower, you're going you're gonna to have to suffer. You're going to have to step into the stream where I step, to follow me into that stream and stand your ground when everything's pulling you one way. Everything's pulling you saying, make it about you. Make your world and your life about you, not about God. Make your world about you, not about others. Don't care about the people around you. Don't care about the people who are being, being persecuted or put to death or injustice in the world. Don't care about them. Don't care about the right worship of God and faithful obedience to Him in your life and glorify Him. Don't worry about that. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. And Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you're going to have to step in where I was, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to take you there, but it's going to feel like, and it's going to take, actually, your suffering and dying. Jesus doesn't promise health and wealth. He promises suffering and death. And through that, life. Team, y'all come on up. And so the question for us is, will we let Jesus redefine discipleship for us? It's not very comfortable. Honestly, personally, I wrestle with this. What does this mean? How do I live this out? I don't think we have to seek out the suffering. But I do think Jesus says, if you're going to be my people, you're going to step in and be faithful. What does it take, God, to live with you? What does it take to live and care about things you care about, injustice and righteousness in this world? What does it look like? Whatever it takes, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And he says, what happens? We lose our life. What happens? We find it. In Jesus, when we lose our life, we find it both now and forever. And that's the kind of life that I want to live. And I hope that we'll all live into more and more. Let's stand and sing to that God. Amen. Whitworth, go from here knowing the God, the loving God who makes us new. The God who brings life out of death. The God who knows what we were made for. The God who loves us and invites us to follow Jesus, the truly human one, and live in closeness with God, in closeness with each other, in obedience to his work in this world. Let us know this God. And walk with this God, empowered by His Spirit to stand in faithfulness to God, to stand in love for others in that river, to stand as His people together, holding an arm of another one next to us as we live in the life that is truly life, the life of Jesus, empowered by His Spirit. Go in peace. Amen.